welcome to the podcast, The Common Bridge with Richard Helpy. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors, but with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. My name is Brian Kruger, and from time to time, I'll be the moderator and host of this podcast. All right, welcome back to the Common Bridge. Last week, Rich, we had a ball. Uh, you were you were going on. We you know we kind of recapped what we were doing with uh, um, with you know what the Common Bridge is all about, and we talked a little bit about um, the election, and we talked about impeachment and stuff like that. And it's fine. Let's get back into some policy now. And I'm going to I hope it's not a surprise, but we're gonna we're gonna tweak you a little bit. I want to talk a little bit today about cybersecurity um, and and the technical. Well, and you can kind of frame this if you want, um, you know, maybe reining in what's going on with, uh, with, with uh, you know, high tech and what they're doing with um, privacy and such. So um, welcome back and to week two and welcome back to January for the Common Bridge. Hey, great. Thanks, Brian. And, and uh, you're correct. I guess I should apologize to my listeners somewhat that I spent a little bit more time than I wanted to on the uh, political framework. But I do think it's important, uh, and it's important in this regard. We are polarized, and over the holidays, there were a couple events that should be absolutely nonpartisan that I was shocked at the partisan division. And remember, I've been looking at this. I'm like, this polarization has to stop. And I was surprised at the whole hum attitude if it was quote, harming the other side. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded, and I'm not making this up, by the way, a couple of years ago, I it was just being silly on Facebook. And I said, well, you know, can we all at least agree on the law of gravity? <laughs> I remember that, actually. <laughs> yeah, and and as, as it turns out, we can't we because can. <laughs> apparently it must benefit one demographic <laughs> over the other. So <laughs> it's... Uh, that was a great exchange. I remember that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like we can't, like... We've, there's got to be some things that unite us. That you would think the law of gravity yeah. wouldn't be controversial, but let's not open that can of worms no, today. No, we're let's talk. Again. Let's talk a little bit about the modern world. Let's do. Um, uh, Brian, for the benefit of my listeners that don't know this, uh, I had the uh, privilege of working in the computer systems industry um, from a very young age and through its evolution from mainframe computers to client server to internet one to uh, where we stand today. With I believe a, I can unearth a high school picture of you with a punch card. Uh, that you can, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, so this arc of uh, technology, uh, we've reached a point now where the machines themselves are really, really, really smart. Um, that they learn, they teach each other. Um, it's uh, the, under the broad umbrella of artificial intelligence, uh, predictive analytics, um, and uh, big data engines. Um, we now have the uh, capacity to store uh, so much information and to extrapolate what that information, what those little bits um, put together might mean. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're using it in warfare, we're using it in commerce, uh, we're using it in research. Uh, last night I actually watched a, 
uh, a film from National Geographic, and they had uh, sent uh, cameras down to look at this, the wreck of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And they had 67 terabytes of data and reconstructed what the Titanic would look like if the ocean was drained around oh, it. Cool. Uh, we didn't have that kind of computing um, there. Right. So n- now we have these really big behemoths. Uh, we have uh, Facebook, uh, Apple, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, and others that are harvesting our data. Uh, we've become the product. And this has massive uh, implications for us in terms of our, our personal freedoms. Uh, because one of the things that everyone should understand is that there's there's really no escaping from it. And secondly, every time you touch a computer or a phone um, or walk in front of a security camera, uh, that is being stored. It's mm-hmm. storage is very, very cheap, and matching technologies are very, very good right now. Uh, and if you think you can move into the mountains of Idaho and escape it, you can't mm-hmm. uh, because you're really visible from satellites and they can read they can read uh, your Fitbit from up there if they want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we volunteer our information every day at a cash register when they say, what's an email address I can uh, get? And they just they track exactly what you purchased and what your, it, 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 exactly. what your habits are right there. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just spend a little time today on uh, Google mm-hmm. um, and then a little bit about where effective government should be and what we need to be thinking about in terms of policy answers Mm -hmm. to these modern uh, problems, modern dilemmas, if you will, uh, because we do like the benefits of the convenience. Um, You know, I I like being able to transact many things in my life uh, at any time of the day or night, uh, just if I have my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also cognizant that my phone number is one of the absolute best ways to match a person. Yeah. And that's why you're always asked for that phone number because we know, we know who you are at that point. So look at Google. All right. You've got the Google search engine. And Google knows what you're looking for, when you're looking for it. And they remember what you looked for in the past. And they're starting to build a profile on you. They know what kind of music you listen to. They know where you're thinking about driving on Google Maps. Uh, they're looking at YouTube for your music and your streaming services. Mm-hmm. Their email, they're reading all your emails mm-hmm. to see what you might be talking about. And I'm sure almost everyone listening to this has had the experience. You might be planning a vacation and uh, you email somebody about it, and pretty soon you're getting served up ads for that location. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've got Google Voice, so now they, they, want, they have all your phone calls. Who did you call? When did you call them? Okay, how long did you talk to them? How frequently do you talk to them? Uh, images, oh yeah, they got your photos too, all right? And, yeah. and, and they get to keep them. And they're uh, the ISP. Okay, Google's not satisfied. They want to be your ISP so that if you go around their search engine, uh, and by the way, I use DuckDuckGo um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a search engine that uh, does not keep track of you. 
but your internet service provider is one thing, but your IP address is something that you can't change. That's static. Pre right? Precisely. Yeah, you can put you can get you can get behind a VPN, and then I recommend uh, that you do. I use um, a product called Nord N O R D mm -hmm. um, and DuckDuckGo, uh, but there's no hiding from that. It's because you know I've got to get out through. Um, an ISP, an internet service provider, and yeah. Google wants to do that too. Sure. Uh, Google also wants to be in the banking business, you know, Google Pay, and now they want to know who you're writing checks to, mm -hmm. how often you're writing them. Uh, uh, Google Pay, they want to know, they know what you're buying. Uh, so you, you're, you're convenient. You want to know what the weather's like. You say, hey, Google, guess what? Google's listening to every conversation in your house waiting for you to say, hey, Google. Yeah. And they're storing that and they're, they're, they're convinced they're comparing it with all the other sources of data coming in. Um, there's some companies that, that they they buy up AdSense and DoubleClick are two of them. Those are some over 200 companies that are owned by Google mm -hmm. that they're harvesting. That's always a frightening one. Cause you think you're somehow avoiding Google and you, you peel it back the onion and they don't peel back too far to realize who the owner of that company that you're. It, it, you think you're working <laughs> exactly, and then in um, uh, they have a developer conference, all right. And in uh, May of uh, 2018, uh, Google's still not satisfied. They're they're writing uh, their artificial intelligence um, into the uh, chip. So you know, as soon as you pick up that device, they're recording what goes on. Yeah. Um, that's what also caution you about that Chrome notebook. Sure. Um, and then um, recently, Ascension Healthcare, the largest not-for-profit uh, health system in the United States, I was ask you about this. Yeah. Um, they were notified about a partnership with uh, Google, and uh, there's a law called HIPAA, which uh, protects your privacy. Uh, but there is a lot of loopholes in HIPAA. Do you just put air quotes around uh, protect your privacy? Well, there are there are limitations, but there's uh, what, under HIPAA, a health system can share data with a business partner if that information is used. Now I'm using air quotes <laughs> only to help the covered entity carry out its healthcare functions, not for the business associates' independent use or purposes. Yeah. Um, and that gets a little sloppy, doesn't it? Well, I guarantee you there's uh, every lawyer listening to this says, oh, I know how to write that. So it's for healthcare purposes. Um, and this is intensely personal stuff. Um, you know, one of the things that I, as you know, I have a background in um, healthcare information technology. Um, there's things that can be um, embarrassing, you know, certain diagnoses. Sure. And Just uh, medication. The, yeah, medication and there's uh, mental health issues mm -hmm. and, and those types of things. Um, and now Google has an understanding about some of those most intimate details of your life mm -hmm. and what you've purchased. And I understand with Ascension Health, I know this firsthand, uh, that uh, the training that went on with Google Docs, replacing all the Microsoft suite with Google Docs and Ascension, uh, has had everybody understand that nothing is going to leave the cloud. Um, when you send an email, all of these people are going to be copied to it. So they had to relearn about, um, you know, in the Word uh, world, you could be a writer and you could make your own changes and your own uh, profile for your own changes, and those will be shared between, say, you and I. Uh, those will all be shared within the whole system now. Um, oh, Google Docs is, uh, and I thank you for the reminder. I should have mentioned that Google Docs—they're reading every document you store there. Right. 
Um, they're looking at your spreadsheets. Yeah. All right. So um, there is not a hint of privacy there, and the business model pivots on it mm-hmm. uh, because they can sell that information about you. Um, I'm going to go back a long way, Brian, and I'm not going to give you the specific year, but the first company I worked for in computing, uh, we our product was uh, developing direct mail. Mm-hmm. And this was very primitive stuff, but we would take uh, uh, car registration lists that we'd buy from states and magazine subscription lists and census tract data and build a profile around households to see you know who might be interested in buying a new Ford Mustang. Sure. That same mindset now targets people literally from birth up. All right, here's a photo of my new grandchild. Oh, boom, now it's in the cloud. We know who he or she is. And all the references get tagged together. Now, is there any way you put that toothpaste back in the... Uh... I, I, I don't I don't think there is, but I'm cynical. <laughs> well, here's here's the other risk too, and I'm I'm only going to touch a little bit on the uh, other companies, and I should have included Twitter in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you protest too much about this, they can deplatform you. And if you think about uh, this character Alex Jones, who is a I don't know if I can call someone a nutcase without uh, being exposed to. Um, some kind of suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Go> so, <ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> <Public figure>. <laughs> <laughs> but and and what's he going to do? He was simultaneously taken off of all the technology platforms. He became a non-person. Maybe that maybe that's the key though. That's how you get off the grid, right? Well, I'm sure he's still being tracked. He just doesn't. <laughs> he no longer has a voice. And so, when you think about what we're doing here today with this podcast. Um, you and I, are our persona, our ideas, our thoughts are getting communicated. Mm-hmm. We can just as easily be switched off if somebody doesn't like what we're saying because they did it to Alex Jones. Sure. And again, that comes down to some of the things I've touched on earlier about the polarization and the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Who should be the arbiter of what is good speech and what's not good speech? It- so, so uh, look, pivoting a little bit to what would effective non-polarized government be doing to protect us, the citizens, mm-hmm. from these private companies that are wielding so much power and have the ability to violate our privacy, to control our lives, and indeed take away our voice. Okay, so one of the best things about your podcast, and everybody says it, is you lay out the problem really well, and then the next thing you do is you come up with a really nice broad brush, and sometimes specific, but it's broad brush solution. How do you fix this? It's uh, no different than what we've done in the past as a uh, country. Uh, We have antitrust laws, and these tech companies need to be broken up. So we go all Teddy Roosevelt on them. Well, look, it worked for the oil companies. uh, IBM was subject to a consent decree when they were using their market power. Um, Microsoft, a little different case, but Microsoft was also um, thwarted a bit in uh, by using antitrust uh, 
legislation. A lot of us over a certain age remember when uh, the bells were broken up. Yeah, well, and AT&T uh, was broken up. And, and here's the really interesting thing. If you go back to the rise of these tech companies that are so powerful today, a lot of that was spawned at the time of the AT&T breakup. Oh, yeah. Okay. Steep and irony, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, indeed. And so now they, it's time for them to be broken up. And, and so if you just think about the little recitation I've just gone through with Google. Google needs to be broken up probably into a dozen companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to have laws about how you share information amongst companies and, and with some teeth in it. Yeah. Um, you know, we we did this with consumer lending where you had to not only disclose to the consumer, um, here's what your loan is, but it had to be in plain language. Yeah. All right, if you take out this loan for a $20,000 car and you pay this interest rate, it's going to cost you 40000 Right. All right? Got to lay it out now. Just like yeah. that. And instead, we have these really lengthy end-user licensing agreements and if you don't click it, well, your stuff stops working. Right. Uh, and right. and so I think using the antitrust legislation, using the consumer protection laws that are there, and applying it to today's problem gets us out of this. But you know what's going to be required? <laughs> uh, um, not nonpartisan. <laughs> Indeed, a nonpartisan way. And wouldn't it be nice if we could turn on a local news channel or a cable news channel and there was a person there explaining what I just explained a few minutes ago about where Google is and would also say Senator X has proposed legislation that would do the following, mm-hmm. or the suit has been filed and this is what the plaintiffs want to happen to this com- company mm-hmm. that it, it needs to be broken into. But Richard, it, it, and you have... Uh... You have a lot of interest in a lot of business and a lot of just everything. Uh, in the last 30 years, tell me if I'm wrong, it just seems that that, that the uh, conglomeration of companies has become a lot more prevalent than the splitting up of companies. It seems that you know uh, we see it in the movie industry, we see it in tech, everybody's buying everything. I, I haven't seen a trend that goes the other way. And it's been 30 or 40 years I've seen this. It seems that there's a lot of rubber stamping in, in Washington of let's let those two companies get together and these two and then those two. And now we'll just have one. Uh, how do you fix that? Same well, the, I think the paradox is that the technology has uh, undone some of those anti-competitive practices. All right. Okay, that yeah. if you think about how many places you can get streaming services for movies right now, right? You know, Comcast, Apple, you know, Google, Netflix, uh, they all, uh, Amazon Prime, they all want to sell you that movie. Sure. All right. So um, if those companies started consolidating, uh, then we'd have a real problem. Don't you see that happening? Um, no, I don't think you're going to see that happen. If it does, we're, we're, we're cooked okay. at, the, at that point. But also where technology, like movies, a great example mm-hmm. um, with the kind of, and I'm no expert on this, but uh, I, my understanding is that the uh, digital cameras and things that they've got, you can shoot a high-quality movie without the big overhead expenses and the studio time and everything sure. else yeah. that, that you used to know. So that is really what the beauty of capitalism is. is yeah. an, an idea can outrun a bureaucracy. And where capitalism fails is when the bureaucracies are able to keep out all the innovation. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, and take control. Yeah. And that's what we're on the verge of happening right now if we don't address uh, these big tech companies and, and the power that they wield. So to kind of wrap this up, um, it, it, your underlying theme has been this for a long time, is to try to get involved, that, that, uh, that uh, the voter, the citizen should try to get involved, become a lot more independently informed instead of just locking into which side of the news uh, media you want to get. Try to try to read things yourself, learn it yourself, and then approach Capitol Hill, re, 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 uh, approach your senators and your congressmen and go at it and try to do it in mass? Well, let me end this podcast with just one piece of advice sure. on how to read the news. And I've got a lot, a long list of these. I'm just going to do one. When you read the headline, and if it's a conclusion, reject it, and go read the article and see if there's any data that leads to the conclusion. Because remember, the headline writer is trying to alarm you mm-hmm. and is trying to get you to take a position. Sure. Don't give in. That'll be lesson number one. Rich, thanks a lot. Um, and we'll see you next week. It's always informative. Love these conversations. Folks, if you want to uh, learn more about uh, the Common Bridge, look at richardhelpy.com. Um, like I say, towards the end of this month, we'll have a newsletter up. And we're going to start posting some PDFs of some of these documents that we think that you should be able to read. We'll try to make it easier for you to see some of this and not have to fish too too far. In fact, you can tell your friends to go to richardhelpy.com to read uh, the IG report, for instance, and, um, and we'll go from there. But thanks a lot, Rich, and we'll see you next time. Look forward to it, Brian. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast, recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.